verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven, if indeed having been clothed we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who, is also, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what He has done, whether good or bad. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that You would demonstrate to us this morning what it is like, Lord, to live with eternity in mind, with eternity in our, in our hearts, Lord. We all live, and so often, Lord, we go about in life, just in our own little world, not aware, Lord, that you're preparing us. You're preparing us for eternity. You're preparing us, Lord, for eternity with you. And Father, this morning we pray that you would, by your grace, Lord God, we would be able to just shed, to lose that the worldly perspective that we have on life and that you'd fix our eyes on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, please be seated. So, verse 17 of chapter 4 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. <clears throat> Speaks of affliction here. Life in a fallen world will be accompanied by affliction. But call, Paul here, he calls his affliction light. Now that's quite a statement, considering what we've already read in chapter Four. In verse 8 it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, speaking of his affliction, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. 
We are persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Now that doesn't just describe a few days of Paul's life. That describes probably the last 25 years of his life. So why would he call it a light affliction? Well, there's two reasons. Both of them are given in this verse, in verse 17. The first is, in light of eternity, Paul says in verse 16, his affliction is only for a brief moment in time. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, he says. James 4.13 says this, referring to your life. He says, what is your life? It is but a vapor. It appears for a while, but then is gone. 1 Peter 1.24 says, all flesh, referring to our life, is as grass. And all the glory of man is the flower of grass, that the grass withers and its flower falls away. I was just reading this morning, Psalm 144, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him, or the son of man that you are mindful of him? He's like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Now be careful. This doesn't mean that life, your life here on earth, is not valuable and important. In fact, it's indescribably uh, valuable to God. It may not seem very valuable to you. In fact, it is very valuable to, to, to God. But what it does mean, as we just read in verse 17 of chapter 4, is that you need to respond or to realize that your affliction, your trials, your circumstances, that awful circumstance that you may be in this morning, according to God's word, It's for a brief moment in time. You know, you may be asking, why, Lord? Why do you have me in this for so long? Why won't this go away, Lord? Well, according to God's word, uh, what you're going through, again, is for a brief moment in time. And In verse 7 of chapter 5, it says, We walk by faith, not by sight. By faith, by trusting in God's word. It's for just a brief moment, this, this affliction that you may be in. So Paul calls this affliction light. And so the first reason, again, he does so is because in light of eternity, he recognizes it's just going to last for a brief moment in time. The second reason Paul says his affliction is light is that, the, is that it, verse 17, it's because it's working in him, it's working for him a far more exceeding weight of glory, a far more exceeding weight of glory. What does he mean by that? Well, let's use Scripture to interpret Scripture. Just skip right over to verse 10. We read that this morning. It says there, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, every man, every woman, every child in this room, will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 
Now, the word for judgment there is the word bima. Uh, The bima was, among other things, it was like a platform that Greek athletes uh, stood on when they were going to receive their crown or their reward. And, And the Bible teaches, yes, that you will receive a reward or perhaps the lack of one based supremely on two things. First, were you faithful with the spiritual gifts and calling that God gave you? Were you faithful to those things? In the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 and the parable of the minas in Luke 19, Jesus speaks of men uh, who are given certain treasures, certain talents, certain gifts, certain responsibilities. And and those uh, who took what they were given and throughout their life multiplied them, produced fruit. They received a reward for that, which included, and this is so important, Jesus telling them when they pass from this life to the next, enter into the joy of your Lord. God gives every man and woman and child spiritual gifts together with a a calling. If you don't know what they are, I strongly suggest that you seek the Lord, pray to Him. He'll tell you what they are. Because that's what this life is all about, is being faithful with the gifts and the calling that He's given you. Your reward in heaven will depend on your faithfulness with those gifts, with that calling. That he's given you. So first, your reward will depend on what you did with the gifts and calling that God gave you. But second, and just as important, and this one is not talked about as much as the first, your reward will depend on how you responded to affliction, to temptation to the overwhelming, sometimes overwhelming circumstances of life. Listen, in in Revelation chapter 7, there's this incredible scene there. Remember, Revelation is a vision of heaven that was given to John, the Apostle John. And and, and there's there's a vision with, there's these men and women in white robes before the altar of God. And one of the elders that surrounded the throne asked John, so what is it? What, what are these, uh, who are these people who are arrayed in, in white robes? And, and where did they come from? And Revelation is a pretty, pretty heavy book, but it gets kind of funny because John goes, I don't know, but you do. <laughs> and then the guy goes on and answers his own question. And he says this. He says, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, referring to the tribulation time, three and a half years before Jesus' return. And their robes have been washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, here's a reward, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in this temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They were rewarded for being faithful to the affliction, to the tribulation. 
And, 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 and again, what was the reward? It was the privilege of a deeper, more profound worship and ministering to the Lord. Now, people, the world, particularly the sophisticated world, poo-poos the whole concept of reward in heaven. It's like, what, you know, you go to heaven, you drive around the Cadillac or, you know, whatever, or, you know, there's a big bag of toys for you. And this, this whole concept is, is mocked. You know, you get money or you carry around a trophy that, you know, the Billy Grahams or whatever, like, weighed down and you have this big burden through eternity because of all their rewards. Well, you know, we need to get uh, rid of this um, idea that uh, eternal rewards is this uh, childish, uh, self-seeking, petty kind of thing. The Bible teaches that rewards something very different than our concept of it, of them. Rewards are supremely tied to worship and service of the Lord. And anyone who's ever known and experienced the presence of the Lord has an idea of what kind of reward that is like and, and how good it is. The Bible, uh, you know, Revelation 4 speaks of those uh, uh, who throw their crowns that they had received as a reward. Uh, to the feet of Jesus. We, read in, uh, we just read in Revelation chapter 7 of the reward of just being close to Him. Now everyone will be in His presence. But there is something that we cannot now, being in, in the flesh here, in the fallen world, completely understand. That, that some will receive a, a reward for being faithful just with the affliction, the persecution, the overwhelming circumstances that they find themselves in in life. Maybe you're in that place this morning. God wants to reward you for how you respond to it, to those circumstances. So why am I talking um, about all this reward stuff. And by the way, a seeking eternal rewards blesses the heart of God in the most profound way because when you are seeking a reward, uh, it is a way of expressing to Him of how much you love Him, how, how much you want to love Him forever. And so the reason we're talking about it, verse 17 again says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Chapter 4, verse 17. So as affliction, as trials, as tribulations come your way, and you respond to the tribulation, by God's grace... As Jesus said, uh, uh, you're responding the way that Jesus has told you and instructing you uh, to respond. So if the tribulation involves people, and 90% of it involves people, and you respond, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, blessing those who curse you, loving those who have set themselves up as enemies against you, and that, just, that isn't just a person who has a rifle pointed at your face. This is just anyone in your life who, who, who is treating you as if an enemy would treat someone. If you respond as Jesus has instru- instructed you to be good to those who hate you, Matthew uh, uh, chapter 5, 
and, and you pray for those, the very ones who are spitefully using you um, and, and loving them, if that is the way that you respond, verse 17 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians says that actually your affliction is working for on your behalf and it's storing up an exceeding eternal weight of glory for you. A reward for you in heaven. By the word, by the way, it's it, it really uh, not an easy verse. There, verse seventeen, to translate eternal weight of glory. What on earth does that mean? Well, the word glory. Been talking about it for a few weeks in Hebrew. Means kabod, means weight. That word affliction also is is means a weight or or a burden. And we've been, Sunday nights, we've been going through Second Chronicles when the, uh, the temple was first dedicated. And, and the hundreds, if not thousands of people were singing to the Lord at the same time, exact same words that we were singing uh, this morning. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. It says the, the glory, the weight of the Lord was so intense that they couldn't even continue. They couldn't even continue ministering and singing. Now, I I don't know fully what that means. But in heaven, there will be an eternal weight of glory, just a a thickness of his presence. And it will be a good thing. It will be a good weight, this, this kind of glory. So your affliction works on your behalf. It stores up for you an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Okay. Everyone with me? That a yes? All right. So that affliction, that trial, those circumstances in your life that you feel are going to overwhelm you, swallow you up, it may be a conflict involving a relationship. It may be a job thing, a financial thing, a huge disappointment in your life. Disappointment. Ah, what an affliction that can be. Uh, As you respond as a woman of God with prayer in the word of God, trusting the Lord, giving over that thing to him, uh, not lashing out at the people around you, not isolating yourself in self-pity, which is such a man-woman thing to do, isolating yourself. Not growing anger or bitter, but rather giving it to the Lord, responding with gentleness, patience, uh, patience, self-control. Your affliction is working for you an exceeding, wonderful, eternal weight of glory. And as you grow in the Lord and understand these things, your affliction will seem light, as Paul calls it, a light affliction. in light of eternity, in light of what's waiting for you. Listen, you, I, we must start responding to life according to the Word of God, according to to the Word of God, in light of eternity, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And over time, uh, you will be able uh, to say, I believe this. As you allow God to continue this work in your life, 
you'll, you'll be able to say with Paul, uh, with Paul, my light affliction, which is but um, for a moment, is working for me a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. As children of God, fix your eyes on heaven. Verse 18 says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, not an easy thing to do with our eyes open, is it? But at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God is preparing you for heaven. He's preparing you for eternity. The Lord would like nothing better. Listen, here's a tough concept to, to, um, to understand, but it, it absolutely is the truth. The Lord would like nothing better uh, than to get you to the place where your heart is so fixed on what is eternal that when you pass from this life to the next, you won't even notice. Or at least it won't be a shock to you. You know, you'll, you'll wake up in heaven just praying to the Lord. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, yeah, I'm in heaven. Paul says in in verse 18, the things which are seen are temporary. The things that are seen can only provide you, listen, they can only provide you a lasting peace, a lasting security, a satisfaction, a joy, if you treat them only as a taste of what is to come, only as a foreshadowing of what Jesus has for you in eternity, or as a glimpse of the wonderful things to come when you're in His presence. Everything that you see, verse 18 says, says, fix your eyes not what on is seen, but what on is eternal. Everything that you see, your job, your school, your ministry, your relationships, everything you do to entertain yourself, everything, everything that you see, that is seen, eventually, it will bum you out. It will bum you out. Uh, Unless you see, unless you hear, unless you taste, unless you uh, hold them uh, uh, in your hands as something given to you by God. Why? To prepare you for heaven. To prepare you for an eternal relationship with Him. And this includes, by the way, the one thing that you got to look at most. The one thing you got to look at every morning when you look in the mirror, your body. After a while, if it hasn't all bet already, your body will bum you out. Okay? And, 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 but there's good news. Verse 1, chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house, referring to the body, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So the reference there to a building, uh, here is a reference to your body. Paul refers to the body uh, you, you have here as a tent. Now, as you know, tents are temporary. Uh, you stick them up every day. You put a bunch of stakes in, and you know, after a while, they uh, begin to uh, 
leak and uh, you know they little these little wood bugs you begin to eat away at them. I remember those little things when we used to camp out in a tent all summer uh, behind our, our our house, and uh, they begin to grow mildew on them. Whatever they, these are tents, they're temporary, and so he uses that word tent very deliberately. He says when this tent is destroyed. The King James Version says, actually, it'll dissolve, which is probably the more accurate thing about what's going to happen to our tent. They're going to just disintegrate someday, dissolve. Uh, He says that, uh, there in verse 1, he says, you receive another body. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul goes into great lengths about this body, this resurrection body. If you want, you can get the the CD on... uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but it says there, it says the body, this body is sown in corruption, meaning because of sin, the body's got problems. This body is sown in corruption, but the resurrected body is raised in incorruption. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 42 says, an incorruptible body. I can't wait to be in it. Verse 2 says, for in this we groan. In what? In this body. We groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Verse 3, if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that immortality may be swallowed up by life. So what's all this groaning about? What's up with that? I thought life with Christ was a joy thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit, supposed to be the fruit of the Christian life. What's up with this groaning? He actually repeats himself. Verse 2, we groan. Verse 4, for we who are in this tent groan. Let's talk about that. And it'll be helpful to first talk about, well, where's the joy come from? Where does the joy come from? of the life in Christ come from? The Bible says our joy comes from supremely, from one source, and that's with being in the presence of Jesus Christ. And, and that's why so many people, their experience when they first come to the Lord, there's sort of, a sooner or later, sometimes it doesn't come immediately, but there's just sort of an exhilaration of joy because they never knew the presence of Jesus. They had a complete wall of separation that every man and woman was born into this world with because of, because of sin. And so this wall is toppled down and, 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 and there's this, this joy, this rush of joy. Jesus says in John 16, he tells his disciples, though you have sorrow now, because he was telling them he was about to leave, I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will be able to take from you. So our joy 
it comes supremely from being in the presence of the Lord. However, you know, as we grow in Christ, the more we grow in Christ, the more we realize that we live in a world that is hell-bent, literally, on taking us away and everyone else away from the presence of the Lord. It's hell-bent on doing that. Taking you away from the presence of the Lord. And, and many times, you know, it's successful in doing that. And, 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 you know, we become painfully aware of that. And that so that while we are home on earth, we realize we're absent. In, in, in a very real way, we're absent from the Lord. And that's why it says in verse 6, so we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we, were, we are absent from the Lord. And so although there is joy in the born-again life, and there sure is, this is the abundant, exciting life with, with being in the pre- we're getting a foretaste of heaven here, being in the presence of the Lord. There's also a groaning that takes place deep within us. The word for groan in verse 2 is used for a woman's groaning, believe it or not, in childbirth. It's a longing that is so intense it cannot be expressed in words. A longing for heaven to be in the presence of the Lord detached from everything that's hindering us now. Romans 8.23 says, We also who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So it's a longing to be present from the Lord, present, present with the Lord in a new body, a new mind, a new new. You know, mind that's free of distractions. You know, you're praying. I don't know how many, how many of you this happens to. You're praying to the Lord, and all of a sudden you realize for the last five minutes you're thinking about, I don't know, the grease on the side, in, in, inside your oven or something like that. And you're like, wait a second, I thought I was just praying, you know. And, and so what a, what, what a, what a distraction, our body and our mind oftentimes is free of lust. What a distraction lust is from being in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Temptation, free of fear, of confusion, of bewilderness, free of illness, free of pain. When I was 10 years old, I was sharing last week, I grew up here in Massachusetts, moved away when I was nine, lived in a bunch of different places, including a place uh, in South America where my, my parents lived quite a ways from the city relative to where every other American lived. And we lived on top of a mountain, and in back of our house there was a jungle, and I mean, you take three boys, I had two brothers, and you put them in this, I mean, this was incredible. I mean, wow, I'm only 10 years old, I can live like Rambo. 
And, and he was like 15 years away. He hadn't even existed yet. But, but, and, and we just had this incredible time. The problem is, you know, we really did think we were Rambo. And, and so there's this jungle going like this, and there's these trees. And on trees, guess what's on trees in, in a jungle? What's on a tree? Vines. That's right, vines. And it's like, wow, a vine. You know, and so we used to just uh, take these things, and, and we used to just swing way out. It's like, yeah, I'm Tarzan, you know. Who says I just have to look at that on TV? So one day, you can guess what happened? I was at the very end of that, you know, of that trajectory or trajectory, and I'm at the very end, and snaps, two stories up. And I mean, I went straight down. I landed on my arm, and and um, oh man, I saw th- this this bump on my arm that looked like this, and I was in shock. And my brothers, you know, they were about the same age as me. It's like we got to get you to the hospital. I'm like, no, I just want to go to sleep. I was in, I was in a state of shock. Well, that was a really fun ride but I'm paying for it today. <laughs> i got to tell you, I'm paying for that, you know, that drop. You know, there's all kinds of things going on with my back that, that um, are related to that fall. And some of you, you know, have been involved in sports and stuff like that. Well, 15, 20 years later, it says, okay, now's the time to pay for all that fun you had playing whatever, football, rugby. Smear the, no, I better not say that, uh, you, flesh piles in your, in your backyard, you know, and, and you start to pay for that, and, and, and you get in this body, and, you're, and you start to groan, uh, you start to groan in, in your body, and, 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 you know, verse 4 says, for in this tent we groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. You know that word swallowed? It's the same word they use other, other places, that same exact Greek word is translated devour. First Peter chapter 5. Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Your mortal life and your aching body or the, 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 your aching heart are going to be swallowed up, devoured by life. By life. And then it goes on in verse 5. It says, now he who has prepared us, pre- prepared us for what? For eternity. He, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Now, I don't want a single person to leave here this morning missing this point. God is preparing you. The Lord is preparing you supremely for eternity. It's the number one purpose of your life is to prepare you for eternity. Don't miss that point. Today, tomorrow, this week, that is what he is, in, is doing. That's the very core of what he wants in your life. So how do we work that into our life? You know, for the last, um, the, the Lord really placed on my heart about six to nine months ago that there's one area of my life that I, I, I feel like is is completely out of line. <laughs> and that is, I'm not praying the way that I'm supposed to be praying. I'm not talking to God the way I'm supposed to be talking with the Lord. 
And he really placed it on my heart that he wants me to pray all day, throughout the day. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. And that according to the word of God, this is not something just for spiritual freaks and monks. It's for every born-again believer. Couldn't be any clearer. Ephesians 6.18, pray it all to always. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. And I have found this is not an easy thing to do. At all. And the reason is because I'm so used to living in the Steve Cole bubble. And, you know, in this bubble, it's just I'm occupied with my own thoughts, my own self-centered, selfish thing going on. And, 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 but you know what prayer does? It bursts the bubble. As soon as you utter a word to the Lord, all of a sudden that, that bubble is burst and it brings God into my life. Uh, but again, it's not an easy thing to break out of your bubble when you've been living in your bubble your whole bubble life. <laughs> and and it's sometimes during, you know, during my, my mind is just so fried from, fried from my own bubble thoughts and, and that and zoned out uh, for so long. You know, I think about prayer and I'm like, what am I supposed to say, Lord? I've been in this bubble for so long today. I feel so far from you right now. I don't even know what to say. So, you know, I've, I've written down a whole bunch of very short prayers from the Bible, and I've, I've tried to memorize them in, in order to just prick that bubble. <laughs> and it works really good. Psalm 73, verse 26, Lord, my heart and flesh are failing, but you, Lord, are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I'll just utter those words. Philippians 2.13, Lord, it is you who work in me to will and to do. Psalm 104.31, Lord, may you rejoice in your work. May you rejoice in the work that you're doing through me. Last night I added this one. And it's lifted right out of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5. Lord, you are preparing me for eternity. Lord, you are preparing me for eternity. Listen, God is preparing you for eternity. (laughs) And I challenge you to remind him of that. Not that he needs you to remind him, but it's a healthy thing for us to remind the Lord, Lord, you're preparing me for eternity. And utter those words throughout this week so God will break those strings that have your heart tied up with that thing that it has no business being tied up with. Listen, you, I, we... We need a very healthy detachment from everything which is seen. A really healthy detachment. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't have passion for what you do. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Doesn't mean that what you do is not important. It does mean that God is using what you do for a reason that is completely different, probably, than the reason you got into it. He's using it to prepare you for eternity. So you're a doctor, a lawyer, a builder, a plumber, a mom, a nurse, a teacher, a pastor, a musician. Those are temporary occupations. Don't forget that. They're temporary occupations. They are what God is using 
to prepare you for eternity. Again, verse 5, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So this is how you, he prepares you for eternity, by the Holy Spirit. A deposit, for, a guarantee, the same word as, as the word for deposit, a deposit for eternity. And wow, this is some kind of deposit because in what way is the Holy Spirit a deposit, a deposit for eternity? Well, let me illustrate it. Let me just use a, a, a normal illustration here. Let's say I decide to sell my big white van. Now, many of you have seen my big white van. My big white van, it replaced my big red van. Now, I love my big red van, but that was one sorry-looking van when it left me. Uh, and, and, you know, Pastor Scott used to burst out in laughter every time he saw it. It's like, man, that thing is your mechanic's best friend, you know. And it, actually, it was my mechanic's best friend. But uh, anyway, it, it, it was, though, a, a herding puppy at the end, I must say. Anyway, I gave it away and, or uh, traded in for a big white van. Well, let's just say I decide to sell my big white van. And I 4000 bucks. I put an ad in the paper. To sell my big white van. And the first morning after the paper hits the street, I'm inundated with, go- uh, with calls. And, and this guy uh, shows up uh, after an hour and he says, man, I love this big white van. It's such a, it's such a, it's such a big white van. I, I like this van. And, and so they, they, I want to buy this van. And so, okay, it's 4000 bucks. And he says, okay, well, I, I'll go get the 4000 bucks and I'll, I'll come back next week. Next week, I'm being inundated for calls for this big white van. I mean, what if you, like, change your mind and you never come back and I lose a sale? And he says, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll I'll give you a 1000 bucks, a a non-refundable deposit. And, in fact, it'll serve as a guarantee to you that I will be back because, man, I've gotten you know, a taste of what this van is like. And, and so I'll come back with the other 3,000. So I, I, you know, I'll get, I'll get my big white van. I'm really psyched about that. Anyway, sorry about the, uh, the crude analogy to, uh, to heaven and the Holy Spirit. But really, that's the, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's a guarantee of what is to come. He's a deposit. And because you, and, uh, because you have him, because you have him, the Holy Spirit, you know what it's going to be like in eternity. How do you know what it's going to be like in eternity? Because you have him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24 says this, By this we know that Jesus Christ lives in us by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And he repeats himself in, in chapter 4, verse 13. By this we know that we live in him, with Jesus, and Jesus in us, because he has given us his Holy Spirit. Uh, with the Holy Spirit that you've been given as a guarantee, as a deposit, you have experienced the presence of the Lord for the first time. You, you've experienced his voice. You know how to recognize his voice. You, you sense the leading of the Lord uh, because of the Holy Spirit, the guiding of the Lord. You have learned the wisdom of the Lord. And 
And the Holy Spirit is preparing you for eternity by giving you that foretaste now. By giving you that longing now. That time where you'll live unhindered in the presence of the Lord. God is preparing you for eternity. The Bible says, fix not your eyes on this world. Have a healthy, godly detachment to this world. And fix your eyes on Jesus. Verse 6 and 7 will conclude there. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We'll conclude in verse 9, which says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Well-pleasing to Him. You can do no better thing than to be pleasing to the Lord than to express with your heart and your life that you love Him so much that you want a reward. And that reward is being with Him and loving Him for eternity. So this week, I just pray that's the prayer of all our hearts. God, prepare us. Prepare me for eternity. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your presence. Just the, the joy that we can know and have known and will know by being in your presence. And Father, it is so unlike us, Lord, to live for, a, for eternity, to live in such a way that our eyes are not fixed on the things that we see right, in, right, right, right there in front of us. It's so hard to be, rather than fixed on that, be have our hearts fixed on eternity. And so therefore, Lord, we do need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We thank you that, Lord Jesus, you say that we can just boldly come to you and ask for that very thing. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Break the strings Lord God, that are tied up between our heart and that thing which is in front of us. And Lord, give us that, your eyes, that godly eyes towards everything that we look look for and look at and handle and touch and taste and hear. And Father, I just pray for anyone who does not know that joy this morning. Father, that you would prick their hearts, that they would just be overwhelmed with just the need for salvation, the need for you, the need for that wall between you and them to be broken down. I just pray this morning they would settle it in their hearts by faith. Lord, we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, please rise for a closing worship song.
Um, the song we're going to sing is uh, Your Love, O oh Lord. And I just think of, uh, with the message, you know, just another just a wonderful de- demonstration of God's love, the, the plan that he has in preparing us uh, for heaven. So that was sing Your Love, O oh Lord. Your love, O oh Lord, which is to the heaven. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. 